I'm Jessica Kidwell, and you're listening to Deserts to Mountaintops Behind the Chapter, a companion podcast to the Deserts to Mountaintops anthology series published by Soulspeak Press. This is the first in a series of planned anthologies focused on highlighting women's stories, struggles, and triumphs, big and small. This anthology, Deserts to Mountaintops, Reclaiming Our Voice, features 22 chapters, each written by a woman whose story deserves to be heard. And this podcast aims to take you, the listener, behind each chapter and lift the author off the page and maybe straight into your heart. Let's get started. Well, hello and welcome back to another edition of the Deserts to Mountaintop behind the chapter series. I am very happy to be joined by another author in the anthology. Today, we are talking to Cameron Curtis. Cameron is currently the president and CEO of C2 Association Strategies and has had more than 22 years of not-for-profit management experience. She's led organizations such as the Association for Air Medical Services, Medivac Foundation International, Society of Interventional Oncology, the Association for Clinical and Translational Science, and the Texas Speech Language Hearing Association. And in addition, Cameron provided oversight for meetings, events domestically and internationally. She has a passion for growing leaders and helping others find their voices and takes advantage of every opportunity that comes her way. In fact, that is a lifelong mantra for her that she received from her very beloved grandmother, which is never turn down anything but your coat collar. The chapter that Cameron wrote for the anthology is called The Sound of Resilience. Cameron, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here talking with you today. Cameron, I want to talk First off, about the quote, your grandmother, clearly she is featured pretty heavily at the beginning and throughout your chapter. She's obviously been someone who has provided you with guidance, love, safety, and uh, inspiration. Can you tell me a little bit about your grandma and about the quote? Sure. So Lois Sylvester is sort of a force to be reckoned with. I think uh, if if you knew my mother and then if you knew Lois and then my mother and then me, we all have very similar personalities and um, very strong personalities. And it's, it's funny, she used to say, never turn down anything but your coat collar when I was younger. And it wasn't until I started working on this chapter and that became sort of my mantra and my theme moving forward in life and business that it was something that she made up. I thought it was something, you know, a colloquialism that everybody knew. And um, and so uh, I, I really have lived my life by that. She lived her life by that. Um, she lost her husband when she was very young. She never remarried. She sort of, again, was a driving force uh, along with my mom and dad into sort of helping me grow into who I am today. And, you know, standing up for myself and taking risks and, um, you know, kind of living life to the fullest. Is this the first book that you have participated in? It is, yes. Well, first of all, congratulations. The chapter is fantastic. Thank you. What caused you to say yes and not turn down this opportunity and 
particularly why now? Jessica Buchanan and I have sort of, you know, we started out with sort of a casual friend relationship and then obviously it, it got much closer. I think she's a, an amazing woman and I sort of worked with her on um, a previous venture in terms of like starting my writing career, thinking about speaking, keynotes, that kind of thing. And um, through that, she started talking about uh, her idea to do this anthology. And it's funny because I kept saying, I don't have anything to add, right? Like I didn't, I don't have any deserts or mountaintops. I'm just sort of like, you know, a regular gal working, doing my thing. I assumed a, a desert is something, you know, a lot of my co-authors are, you know, have been victims of child abuse or, you know, like alcoholism, like really, really deep, um, hardcore issues that I thought, well, workplace trauma isn't that big of a deal. And so just in talking to Jess, and she's so good at connecting people, connecting the dots and making you feel comfortable. Um, also, she makes it really hard for you to say no to oh. her, which I'm sure mm -hmm. you know from your experience. No, I have um, had zero experience with that, Cameron. I yeah. don't know what you're talking about. Next question. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so she just sort of made me really feel like, man, you know what, I can do this. And then going back to never turn down anything but your coat collar. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. Like, it's, it's a good opportunity. And you know, I was at a very different place in my life when we started this project. And I think it was April or May, but I'm really glad I did it. It helped me actually work through a lot of things. So I find it interesting that you voice the concern that I don't really have anything to add. I will tell you, as I have spoken to each author in the anthology, that is a thread that runs deeply in everyone, no matter what their desert is and whether or not that desert compares to be more dry or more shocking than others. Every single author has been concerned that, that their story, their experience might not necessarily be good enough or worthy of being told. And I am finding that to be one of the most relatable and fantastic parts of the anthology as a whole is this collection of different experiences that are all tied together of whether your desert feels like a desert to somebody else doesn't matter. It, it, it was your desert and hearing people's experiences validates whatever experience the reader is having. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things that Jess said early on when, when I was like, oh, I don't have really anything to share is that, you know, after talking through sort of my career and, you know, the opera singer thing and not working out, that there are people out there right now experiencing what I experienced. And, and when I was going through that, I did, I felt alone. I don't think that I realized it at the time. I tend to compartmentalize my feelings. Um, and so I think that was sort of the like the lightning bolt, like, you know what, you're right. There are people out there. And, um, and it's interesting when I, when I was uh, terminated from my job in um, June, while I was writing this, I wrote about it on social media. And there were so many people who came up to me that said, thank you for sharing your story. You know, I was fired from this job and it was really traumatic or, you know what, I've been fired three times, or, you know, or I was laid off and it was really refreshing to have somebody 
actually talk about it. And so I think that also helped validate that this is important. And no matter what the story is, we are all unique and special and we all have something that we can share that might help somebody else. And at the end of the day, that's, I think, what we all want to do, right, is sort of leave a mark, whether it's a big mark, like you're a movie star, or something smaller on on specific people that you connect with throughout your life. So let's talk a little bit about the chapter, The Sound of Resilience. You just touched upon one of the surprising parts of your biography that I did not highlight in your introduction. You are a trained classical musician, correct? Yes, yes, in vocal performance. I wanted to be uh, either an opera singer or sing on Broadway. (laughs) I find that so fascinating on so many levels and I love how finding your voice losing your voice and then finding your voice is a thread throughout your chapter so the sound of resilience we don't spend a lot of time talking about that previous life the training of being the classical musician and and the trajectory that you thought your life was going to have your chapter is very much a trip through your professional background And the struggles that you had in the myriad of jobs that you have had and what you learned from them. Can you talk to us a little bit about that journey? You know, when I got married and moved to D.C. um, and sort of put the the dream to be an opera singer aside, I don't regret that. I'm still married to my husband today. We're coming up on our 25th wedding anniversary, so it all worked out. But, you know, I had to get a job and um, my I had been a lifeguard, I had worked at Dunkin' Donuts, I think I'd worked at a retail shop in the mall, but my college experience, it was basically a liberal arts degree, it really did prepare me to work in the real world. I was lucky enough to find my first job after the two nanny jobs, which you all can read about, and I will tell you, nanny diaries is true, but uh, I actually got my very first, you know, I call it my grown-up job, um, because a woman who worked with my husband Um, Her husband had a job opening at the Phi Beta Kappa Society. And um, so I worked there for eight years, sort of from executive assistant to um, running several programs. I had my son Vincent while I was working there. From there, I really wanted to move on. So I moved on to the Association of American Medical Colleges, and I was there three years. I really wanted to focus on meeting and event management. I really liked that part of the job that I, that I did at Phi Beta Kappa. I liked the travel. But at each place, you know, we all have, there are always difficult people that we work with, right? And it's, it's when those difficult people get to the point where it's, what they're doing to you is affecting everything your health your family life mental health and physical health and so i think we don't we don't realize how much it affects us as we're going through as we're like moving through those those times in our lives and so it really wasn't until again i started talking with jess that i realized oh man you know what i have i have like some ptsd and and, um, but I also think that looking back as I was writing this, I was proud of the fact that I stood up for myself. And I think there are a lot of people out there that are, that are afraid to do that. Um, and I'm hopeful that part of this says like, it's okay, right? You should, we should all stand up for ourselves. Then I went to Smith Buckland, which is an association management company and met a bunch of amazing people there. 
I learned a lot. You know, some challenges there, fewer than than other places, but um, that really prepared me for the next part of my career, which was the CEO of the Association of Air Medical Services. And then obviously to today where I'm running my own um, association management company, C2 Association Strategies. I think that many people feel like you're supposed to compartmentalize your work. You know, people will refer to their like work friends, their work spouse, their work life as if it is something that turns off. You, when you when you either shut the computer off now post pandemic where we barely go to offices anymore but or when you leave the office and that drive home you know you you box it up you put it on the shelf and it's not supposed to bleed over and i think it's just so naive because the majority of your time and energy if you are working full time is spent in this environment. And if it is a toxic environment, as you describe in your chapter, why is it a surprise that that would then bleed all over the rest of our lives? And there's this minimizing of, well, it's just happening at work. I mean, if you're in an abusive relationship, you don't forget about that abusive relationship when you go to work. <laughs> right, right. Why would, if you're in a bad situation at work, why would you expect yourself to forget about it and and just move on? I think it starts very slowly and builds. So you don't realize that it's really happening when it's happening. I also think that Emotional abuse is very different than physical abuse. When somebody is, when you're being bullied, you don't realize it at first. It, take, it sometimes takes time for you to say, hey, you know what, that's not okay. And, and it took me time to realize that that was happening. And it was happening in various ways. Again, you know me, and, and after what I said about my grandmother, I have a very strong personality. And frankly, I think that's part of, that actually not frankly, I, that's part of what led to what happened is because I am, I come across as very confident. I work really hard. I like to I take pride in what I do. Um, if I don't know the answer to something, I will figure it out. Um, and there are people who are very insecure around people like that. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of times that I sit at my desk and I have to talk myself off the ledge and say, you earned where you are. You worked really hard to get here. Um, but I, I think that's it. it. It starts very, very slowly. And, and until you get to the breaking point, that's when you realize, wow, I, I've really, like, this is not good. And that's what happened. So with the power of hindsight, the luxury of hindsight, I guess I should say, how did you find your voice? It certainly didn't seem like in the chapter it was overnight or in one lightning bolt moment. It was slowly, but there had to be something that kept moving you in the stand up for yourself direction. Have you been able to determine what that is? You know, I think it was that moment at the Association of American Medical Colleges where I I realized finally what was happening. I, I think I was at home and my husband and I had had this really terrible fight 
and um, to the point where it was like, you know, get out while well, I have nowhere to go kind of thing. Like, I, I really felt like we were heading towards potential divorce. Um, I had become very bitter and angry and I wasn't myself. And I think it was that fight and the weeks that followed that really were like, oh shit, like this is, this is happening and I need to stop it because it's, it's not just affecting me. It's, it's not just affecting me mentally, it's affecting me physically. I was, I gained a bunch of weight. Um, I was on antidepressants, like all of these things that I just thought was, you know what, I'm having a hard time and so I need antidepressants because of that. I didn't, I didn't relate at all to the fact that I was having issues in my job until that moment when we had had this big fight. And I was like, this is, it has to stop. So let's talk a little bit about once you were able to reclaim your voice and realize that you could not only ask for what you want, but you deserve to have what you want. What do you see now in your role as CEO and, and creating your own company? How are you going to foster that to model for those that come after you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so again, um, and talking with Jessica Buchanan, who is full of amazing ideas. And I think one of the things is, and throughout my career, I have always treated people who work for me with dignity and respect. Um, I will continue to do that. We all are important. We all have, you know, parts to play. Um, I am launching this year an executive coaching um, opportunity. So for people who are in situations, either who are in current situations and want to talk through solutions, a way out, um, or ways to deal with, with those traumatic situations that are happening at work, um, to people who have been through those and are having trouble sort of putting those emotions, not putting them aside, but dealing with them and really thinking through it and, and letting them go so that you can move forward because it, it takes a toll. I thought I was done three years in when I left and really it wasn't until writing this chapter um, 11 years later that it was still, I was still holding on to like all of this negativity. And so if I can help just one person so that they don't have to hang on to it for that long. I think that's that's what I want to do. I love growing people, uh, so I'll continue to do that. Um, my business is small but mighty right now, but growing actually very quickly. And so, um, again, bringing on the right people who who live sort of by the same mantra that you know people come first, and and that it's our responsibility to treat them well. Sort of that, you know, do unto others, you know. I, I want to be treated with respect, and I think we deserve, we to do the same to the people that we work with. And the people in our lives, not just the people that we work with. Right. I think that much like we shouldn't think that compartmentalizing our work life keeps it out of our whole life. Right. The lessons from work are often applicable to all of the parts of our lives. So clearly one of the things that seemed to have surprised you through the process of writing this chapter is, is how much you were still holding on to the pain and maybe the 
anger associated with your negative toxic work ex environment. Was there anything else particularly surprising or hard about the process of <laughs> the anthology? Yes, yes. So I have written, uh, I'm much better at technical writing. Um, you know, I've been writing most of my career, not as an author, but you know, various things here and there. And I'm used to writing very short, sweet, concise documents. And, you know, there was a lot of just saying, show me, don't tell me. I'm like, but I did, I did show you. And she's like, no, you didn't, I need more. And that was hard because it forces you to dig deep, right? It forces you to deal. A lot of the emotions I had were still sort of on the surface. I hadn't dug deep until I really, until she sort of forced me to do it, I hadn't. And so, the writing itself was very difficult for me because I'm not a flowery person. Um, again, I'm like the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. I, I was kind of writing in that same way. Um, and I, I just, I happened to have an epiphany, epiphany um, at this event and on the way back, I thought, oh, I need to, I really need to dig deep and, and dig into my emotions. And at that time I was dealing with, with similar emotions from, um, from a recent um, termination. And so that really helped. I think just writing in a way that it was coming into my head instead of trying to keep it short and sweet, that really helped. But that was probably the hardest thing. Writing the story itself and sharing the information wasn't that difficult. Um, I tend to be an open book. Probably people think I share too much sometimes, um, but it was really conveying what actually happened and how I felt. That was the hardest part. And, and doing it in a way that the reader would sort of feel those emotions at the same time. Well, as the reader, I will tell you one of the things that seem the most clear to me, your personality comes through very well in the chapter, just knowing you the small amount that I do outside of this interview, there's a sarcasm and a strength <laughs> and a big personality that clearly comes across. And yet you can feel the vulnerability. So I don't know if that's helpful for you to receive that feedback from a reader, but you clearly managed to push through the discomfort of showing, not telling, and and kind of threaded the needle well because you, I found myself laughing, but then I also just felt myself really heart connecting to, to moments in the chapter. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. That's good. I'm, I'm glad. And, um, you know, it's in the editing process. I obviously, you know, I curse words are some of my favorite words. And so there are some of those in, in my chapter. And, um, and I think I'm, I'm glad that that came through because, you know, I am very sarcastic. Um, I do have a big personality, but I also think I am vulnerable and that doesn't often come across because my personality, because of what I seem on the outside. So I'm, I'm glad that that was portrayed well. So the book is out and 2023 is already unfolding in front of us. What are you looking forward to for the rest of the year or what are some 
projects. I know that you said this executive coaching might be coming out. What else is happening with C2 Association Strategies or for you personally, Cameron? You know, it's it's kind of scary when you start your own business because you think, oh my gosh, am I gonna get any business? And then you start getting business and then you're like, oh shit. I have a lot of like, what am I gonna do? Like, how do you grow? How do you scale? Um, so I've, I've hired somebody new to help. So we are growing. Um, I'm hopeful that we'll get some more clients this year. And I, I hope to grow sort of C2 association strategies on its own in terms of the association management piece. And then again, the executive coaching piece that's coming soon. Um, I hope to grow that sort of under the same C2 umbrella, but really that's something that I'll focus on. And then I think, you know, there is maybe another book in me. Um, you know, I've been talking with Jess about it. It's just, you know, I think the hardest part when it comes to writing is starting the writing. And I, I've got an outline that I started probably a year ago and, and even a little bit before Deserts to Mountaintops. And my chapter will really sort of lead into into that. But the title will be Never Turned Down Anything But Your Coat Collar, obviously. Obviously. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so um, so I'm excited about that. Other than that, I, I don't I don't know. I, I think I'm going to do a better job of taking care of myself because I haven't done that very well for a very long time. And now that I work for myself, I can do that. Do you think Lois would be proud? Yes. I think she's cheering me on. I think she and my grandfather are cheering me on. So what are the best ways for those of us who want to keep track of what's happening with you, Cameron? How can we find out more about your company, about the coaching, or what's coming up next for you? Yeah, so um, my website is c2associationstrategies.com, and I have some information there. Um, as the, you know, the, the book is there, um, this podcast, a link to the podcast will be there. I'll have sort of a what's coming page um, soon. And then I'm on social media. I'm at C. Unz Curtis at, uh, on Instagram. Unz is my maiden name. It's German. U-N-Z. It's very simple, but it's butchered a lot. C2 Association Strategies is on Facebook and LinkedIn. I'm also on LinkedIn. So lots of places uh, you can find me. Um, I'm out and about in the D.C. area. Um, hopefully I'll be on more podcasts. Um, but yeah, so I think those are the places for now, but hopefully uh, you'll see more of me in 2023 and beyond. Well, Cameron, I am grateful to you for this time, for writing the chapter and, and for just getting the, the good fortune of, of knowing you outside of this chapter as well. The goal for this podcast is to kind of lift the authors off the page a little bit more so that we can get to know them a bit behind the chapter. And I feel lucky that even before today, I already had that good fortune. So I look forward to finding out what is in your future. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. Thank you. It was so, um, so nice talking with you today. And I'm also grateful that I get to know you sort of outside um, the WeStat podcast. So, um, and I'm looking forward to continuing to watch what you do. Deserts to Mountaintops Behind the Chapter is a production of WeStat Media in collaboration with the publisher of the anthology, Soulspeak Press. Editing and audio support is provided by Mixtape Studios, and I'm Jessica Kidwell, your host. To find out more about this podcast or the anthology series, please visit 
www.desertstomountaintops.com.